Welcome to the Traffic Home Network. I'm your host, Bob Felt. Driving conversations, keeping traffic calm, and saving lives. On today's show is a national roundabout expert. His name is Brian Walsh, and he works as the state traffic design engineer at Washington State's Department of Transportation. He's also the roundabout committee chair for the Transportation Research Board, National Committee on Uniform Traffic Control Devices Roundabout Task Force Chair. That's also NCUTCD. And he's a member of ITE. I'm very excited to have him on our show today. So please welcome Brian Walsh. Hi, Brian. Uh, Good morning, Bob. Glad to be here. So what we're going to talk about today is something that we all know about, but yet are almost scared to talk about, and it's intersections. Sometimes we turn these intersections into roundabouts, and some people call them traffic circles. So the number one question I want to know is an intersection, a traffic circle, and a roundabout all the same, according to you? Um, Actually, I define them a little differently, as you can imagine. The word roundabout we adopted from uh, the English, uh, the UK. And roundabouts have a specific, um, if you're going to call something a roundabout intersection, it's going to have to have yield on all the approaches, a yield control, so a sign uh, that basically is dictating that. And then the counterclockwise flow that's dictated by uh, additional signing, either one-way signing or chevrons um, uh, under the regulatory black and white sign that has you rotate circularly. Uh, counterclockwise in the circle. That is a roundabout intersection by its purest definition. Um, You will hear people use traffic circles because we have adopted um, over the years. I mean, we go back to probably uh, post-World War I and saw a number of traffic circles uh, installed in in certain states. And um, the one that I think about, of course, I I live here on the West Coast, although I'm familiar with um, circles in in the Northeast. Uh, The one I'm familiar with that that was actually converted to a roundabout was a a circle called the Long Beach Circle. It was a large circle, about 440 feet across, Uh, has palm trees in the middle of it. And it was uh, a higher speed circle. The bigger the circle is, obviously, the bigger speeds you'll have in them. And as a result, it was uh, it was kind of more of an architectural improvement for that community back in the 20s. And it wasn't really a roundabout because it didn't have yield control uh, on the approaches. Um, so circles have been used before, but but the newest form and the safest form of, of, of a circle intersection or a circular intersection is a roundabout. We also have, and many people probably can relate to this, many communities have built traffic calming circles. And traffic calming circles are nothing more than probably a circle placed in the middle of a, a standard intersection. This would be a standard four-way intersection. It's there for traffic calming. It's there to give a neighborhood back some of its uh, neighborhood characteristics. They don't like people speeding through. And, and as we know, the automobile certainly, for all its wonderful qualities, this is the downside of, of an automobile. Um, through straight streets at 90 degree angles, you can get people that do things that um, a traffic calming circle can get speeds and, and, and make this intersection safer, which rolls around to why do we do intersections, uh, roundabout intersections, is that it is probably one of the safest intersection control Uh, devices in terms of fatalities and serious injuries. You don't get a lot of them at roundabouts. You get very rarely those things happening at roundabouts. Great information. I appreciate you telling us the differences. Uh, You you talked about one of my questions already by talking about roundabouts being safer. I guess the only other question I'd have on that is, do they cost more? Do they take up more land? If you could kind of address that, I know some communities do not like the idea of converting a normal intersection into a roundabout. Yeah, I think um, maybe some background, I think, on intersections in general is good to know. I, you know, we, cost certainly is important. I think um, when you say cost, I think of initial cost. 
uh, does a roundabout, uh, can it cost more than a, a traditional intersection? Well, certainly if an intersection is being built, um, you're moving dirt, you're, you're, you're putting asphalt down, you're, you're, you're doing curbs. Um, most of those costs, uh, a standard intersection is going to cost as much as a roundabout if you're thinking about it that early in the process. So when you hear about new developments that are installing roundabouts as intersection control, it's probably a very, it's a wash in terms of the cost between what you would have had to do with the intersection and building the roundabout. Ultimately, converting standard, standard intersections to roundabouts, it can be more costly. It's one of those things where agencies, and we have a lot of them in this country when you look at how many local jurisdictions we have, we're charged um, under our mandate as a, as a public entity to try to make things safer and roundabouts are certainly in that toolbox. And so converting a standard intersection to a roundabout uh, will, will, it can cost initially cost a little bit more, but ultimately when you look at the life cycle of an intersection like that, that's busy, uh, that might already have experienced some safety problems in its former um, style of intersection control, it actually, um, a life cycle cost will show a roundabout is a very good investment. What about uh, right-of-way acquisition issues or the fact that some people would argue, and I've heard this before, oh, well, you're going to use more land. It's a waste of money. If you could address that in terms of, uh, I, I guess that would be either a development or, or a conversion. Just yeah. The, right, and, the right-of-way. Mm -hmm. Go ahead. And, and Bob, that would have been a, a good, uh, that, that was a conversation that was happening in my, um, in my world probably 10 years ago and maybe even 20 years ago. Uh, roundabouts had a fairly standard footprint. Uh, as we've learned more about roundabouts, we've, we've introduced a term called scalability. And we're starting to recognize any, any location that we can build a roundabout, we should be looking at scaling it to the size of the intersection and not thinking we have to uh, go searching for right away on all four corners. Um, we have converted um, on the state system a, num a, a, a few locations at this point. I'll say it's in the it's 30 or under, where we have taken and scaled it, and we call it a compact roundabout. Um, the English will use the word mini roundabout. In this country, we seem to be using the word compact and, and minis uh, kind of jointly. But my point is, is that a roundabout is very scalable, and so the idea that it's actually going to cost more than a blow right away. Well, if an agency has experience with the scalability of roundabouts, they may be able to to, to show some some fairly equal costs with a roundabout with what you would have done with, um, for instance, a traffic signal. All right, I have a question for you. I know sometimes uh, I've dealt with adult kids that have gone through driver's training, and I'm not sure they really know what to do in a roundabout if there's an emergency vehicle. What do you say to that? Well, I think emergency vehicles, um, you know, we all kind of, it's a, it's a bit of a guessing game sometimes and how fast you pick up where the emergency vehicle is coming from, how many times we've been driving down the road, we hear the siren. We eventually pick up, it's from behind us, and then we're all kind of in a, in, in maybe this isn't the greatest term, a mad scramble to either move right or move left. And most people move right. So my point with, with roundabouts and standardized intersections, think about this, at a standardized intersection or standard intersection, it would be a traffic signal or a four-way stop or a two-way stop you know, where the side streets are controlled. A fire truck or an emergency vehicle has to basically slow down. They're, they, they, they're, their training is going to tell them their biggest risk is always intersections. Um, and so they have learned techniques to go through certain intersections, like big signalized intersections. How many times have we seen them go the opposite direction, meaning they will go around the left turners to the opposite direction flow and then do a sachet through the intersection to basically continue straight? Um, 
they are counting on some of them have a preemption device that sometimes shuts down traffic flow from a certain direction and gives them a green light. But in many cases, they arrive so quickly, the ability to change the signal phasing doesn't always work. And so what they have to do is they just have to very, very much pace their way through the intersection so that they don't get hit by somebody who's just not picking up um, the clues that clearly this is a big red or yellow truck and uh, it's got sirens. With a roundabout, I think what's uh, my experience, and I think a lot of people who have dealt with roundabouts in any degree, um, and, and certainly we're seeing this in community uh, communities that have more than a couple roundabouts at this point, they're starting to see some real advantages in the fact that the flow is so consistently uh, predictable that um, a vehicle um, can always get through the roundabout and out of the way, meaning the best thing you can do is if you're at the roundabout, it's behind you, you go ahead and proceed through the roundabout, get out of the roundabout. And then, um, because as you, as you know, you have the, you have the right of way once you're in the roundabout, you have the right of way to go out and then you pull over after. So there's a lot, there's a couple of videos out there that um, display that type of thing. Obviously, if you're not in the roundabout, then pull over to the right like you normally would. I, this is an interesting thing. If a person is going to um, have an opinion about roundabouts, it's helpful to go to a place that has a lot of roundabouts and you will see a protocol that uh, the fire, the fire folks that have a lot of roundabouts in their communities, believe me, they get more comfortable with. And here's the, here's the best upside of all that. The numbers of serious and fatal crashes, the risk is much lower when they have more roundabouts in town. Uh, there's a town in central Indiana, um, an Indianapolis suburb, uh, Carmel, Indiana, that has 140 roundabouts. Um, they have been in a, a rush to convert all their traffic signals uh, over the last 20 years. And, uh, you know, these are the kind of examples that we need to people need to know about. One roundabout isn't going to change your world. Ten will in a very positive way. As a national roundabout expert. Are you aware of whether or not all 50 states in the United States have the roundabouts? Well, I think from my position on uh, the National Committee as well as TRB, I, I think every, every state has roundabouts. Uh, there's not a state in the union that doesn't have uh, roundabouts uh, in some form. Uh, some states have a lot more roundabouts than others. Uh, some communities alone, um, the Bend, Oregon's of the world, the Carmel, Indiana's of the world, the... Um, the, the Olympia, Lacey, Washington areas of the world. I mean, we have dozens of roundabouts in these, are in these, these smaller communities. And, and some of these are larger communities as well. Uh, my point being is I, I think that the roundabout um, idea is certainly um, off and running. Uh, we still probably, in terms of you look about the number of traffic signals, I think the estimate in this country is around 300,000 traffic signals um, controlled by public entities. Um, roundabouts are probably in the 10,000 uh, range, so 125th of the number of signals. Um, my goal isn't to replace every signal in the world. I don't want that impression to be there. But I think that you are seeing, and I think, Bob, you work in the safety um, arena. As we find more tools, this tool is really one that has been underutilized um, it will be utilized more as people start to recognize that what we're trying to go after and, and particularly with policy and like target zero vision zero type of things, we're going after serious and fatal crashes. And, and, and that only not only includes vehicle to vehicle crashes, this involves interactions with pedestrians and vehicles and also bicycles and vehicles. Uh, you know, at some point, if you can lower the speed of a vehicle um, at an intersection consistently, and that's what a roundabout does. Uh, you will get 
you will get safety benefits. It's uh, there's study after study that shows that we have a number of studies nationally, as well as even in our own communities here that show that. Well, I hope you know that when I said 50 states, I did include D.C. in there, the District of Columbia, slightly different entity. But, you know, with the uh, pending legislation there, it could become a state someday. That's a whole different topic, but. Uh, that's an interesting one. I, you know, I am not aware as, as many people who and you are very familiar with the district. Um, there are a number of um, old style traffic circles uh, with statues in the middle of them, of course. But there's a number of those one uh, or two of those locations almost mimic roundabouts. There's a couple of nuances that probably don't qualify them as roundabouts. But the district, I think, like any, any public entity, um, should be looking at roundabouts. And, and I, I, there's no way I could have a handle on, on every state in the union, although I'm, I'm very blessed to be in a position where I do get to see quite a bit of national uh, and international work. Uh, the district may have a roundabout I'm not aware of. For instance, somebody might say Los Angeles doesn't have a roundabout. Los Angeles now has a roundabout. Um, uh, another community, um, Seattle is working on their first one. Uh, big urban areas, it seems, came to this idea a little bit slower. Now, they have a lot of traffic calming circles, um, which, as I defined earlier, uh, are not necessarily roundabouts, but they can certainly be converted into small roundabouts. Trying to get 4,000 jurisdictions on the same page with this particular tool requires a little bit of national help. And so federal highways, as well as some of the, the groups that you mentioned in my introduction, are doing a, a lot to show the consistency across the board research, uh, doing a lot of webinars uh, to introduce this idea and get people more comfortable with it. It is amazing. You mentioned it earlier in our interview how, how it, it, people really get emotional about this subject, which is surprising to me as a traffic engineer. Um, but, I, but I've recognized it, and I think that that's, we, we deal with that emotions, those emotions that get, um, that get elicited when people suggest that we're going to do a roundabout location. You probably know this from our prior conversations. I have some experience in a DOT in the past in the Midwest, and I know when the communities heard the idea, the, the five-year plan, for example, might have involved a couple of roundabouts at certain locations. Oh, my goodness, do they just get all upset and say, why are you doing that? You're going to ruin our community. When in the end, once they're implemented and they're operational and you look at the data from an engineering standpoint, it actually works because it reduces and or eliminates uh, fatalities, serious crashes. And what can you speak to on that in terms of the effects of, of a well-implemented and thought-out roundabout as a solution. Uh, yeah, it's very counterintuitive. I think you hit a really good point that uh, there's, there's emotions elicited when a roundabout is suggested in a community that may have not had um, a roundabout yet to date, or they had supposedly a bad experience with a roundabout, or they're living with uh, an old traffic circle that may not... Um, it may be the, you know, the, the community joke or the community, um, you know, focal point for, for hey, look at this, um, how they handle traffic here. There's three studies that I'm going to hit on that I think are really important. If you look at an early insurance institute for highway safety, and keep in mind this would be the insurance institute, they really were worried about this emotional kind of backlash with um, roundabouts um, when they were suggested. And so they did a fairly scientific study in locations that had were, were, were planned to receive a roundabout, and then they did an after study to show, and it was a fairly sizable sample size, a thousand plus. They did two studies in a row, basically 10 years, 10 years apart. Exactly what you said, as soon as the roundabout got built, people and those fears and some of those maybe irrational thoughts about how um, I will be able to handle this went away. Uh, I shouldn't say they went away, but it went from 
um, you know, 30% um, support to about 70% support. And anybody can Google that at Insurance Institute for Highway Safety and Roundabout um, before and after uh, public opinion studies. A couple things, we, we, we mimic that here uh, just in, in, in uh, other polls here. When people do online polls, you will see that same thing in a community that maybe hasn't seen one. But we, we use that as evidence that, believe me, this will work out better than you think it will. Um, it helps to have fire and police support as well and, and some of the other official public safety agencies involved with your decision. Ultimately, the Insurance Institute for, did those studies. Then another study was done by the, um, th that was also, I should give um, due, due credit to uh, Kansas State University for those Insurance Institute for studies. That was kind of a, a joint deal. Ultimately, we see this pattern play out. It's getting in a state like ours, which has over 400 roundabouts, approaching 500 roundabouts when we look at local jurisdictions as well as state DOT. This issue is not as prevalent, um, but if you go to the, uh, like you were mentioning, some states maybe in the Midwest that don't have a lot of roundabouts, at least not being fomented, uh, you know, being pushed forward by a, a state DOT, they will be, you will see roundabouts in some smaller communities. Ultimately, um, that is always in play. I don't know if that'll last another generation, but I've seen a lot of progress in this area in the last 25 years. Speaking of progress, a uh, couple things, and I'll start it off with, with a silly question, but then again, a serious end. You need to understand geometry to get through a roundabout is the silly part. And, and the, the more serious part is, do you think we need to do a better job educating people how to navigate the roundabout for those that are new to the idea. Good questions, Bob. I'm going to take your second question on first. Um, do we need to educate people uh, further? I think roundabouts come with their own complexity. Um, you know, we have single lane roundabouts that are fairly, for the general group of people look, driving the roadway system, are pretty straightforward. Um, it's pretty clear which way you have to go. Um, uh, the idea that you kind of know where your risk comes from. If you, you, you obviously need to understand the one issue, which is you do yield to the circulatory roadway. And see, this is where there's a couple theories going on here. Do we need to educate people more? Yes, but keep in mind in the system that we built with a lot of stop signs and traffic signals, which are fairly, you know, they're a bit of a sledgehammer sometimes um, when you're trying to solve something with a hammer. They're a bigger hammer. And ultimately, you, you create more delay than you may need to, and you may create more speed than you need to. And the roundabout basically is a full-time 24-hour device. Uh, the idea is you come up, you get within distance of that yield line to the circulatory roadway, and you have to make a judgment. So a driver actually, I'll be honest, some of the pushback I get in public meetings is usually a person, um, this is a really terrible thing to say, but they don't really want to think. They want to be able to look at a red light and a green light and not have to think about what they need to do and apply any judgment. And with a roundabout, when we put the driver back in control and making their own judgments, it's amazing. They can do it. They have to do it all the time, pulling into drive-throughs, pulling into driveways for a fast food restaurant. You know, you have to use a lot of judgment when you leave a roadway or come back onto a roadway. A roundabout actually is predictable and it requires some judgment. So that's the education piece that we um, probably need beefed up driver education. But as we know, our society has gone a, a completely different direction. Bob, you and I are probably in that age group that we probably had driver's ed is probably a, a given. Um, it was in high school or, uh, you know, it was something that most, uh, like if you grew up in a state that does a lot of hunting, hunt, hunter safety is something that just gets thrown into the mix. Same thing with driving. That is not happening now. Not uh, a lot of people get put on the road that are learning as they go. 
So roundabouts would be one of those things that would be, unless they have them in their community, it'd be something new to them. Uh, the first part of that question, could you remind me what that was? Do you need to understand geometry to get through <laughs> yeah. a roundabout? Uh, you know, I was kind of you know, kidding. Good question. Obviously, it's a, it's a curvilinear setup. And Bob, when we talk about spatial orientation for some folks, um, I'm an engineer. And so engineers kind of the reason we're kind of attracted maybe to the profession a little bit is that we, um, we, we have spatial awareness. We love maps. We, we kind of know our place um, on the map. Um, not everybody has that skill set. I have a lot of skill sets I lack, but that one I have. And so um, I, I, I orient myself very quickly to a roundabout circuitous and curvilinear um, part. And of course, after 20 plus years, you, it's easy to see a, a roundabout from a long ways away because my brain's trained for it. My point is it has curvilinear and a lot of people like straight lines. And all I can say is straight isn't safe. And that's why we went to curvilinear because we need to build, um, we need to take speed out of the system at intersections. And there you go. That's the whole crux of the issue, correct? It is. And I've seen the data. I know these work. It's just that that emotional part isn't necessarily always going to go away. Pedestrians at roundabouts, if they're distracted walking, for example, or they're on a bike, how in the world do they know how to navigate? Multimodal is certainly the push that, that, that the profession, uh, the transportation professionals in the world, including myself as a trained traffic engineer, we need to think about the other modes and exactly in our designs uh, or even in our, our operations, um, we need to think about where people are going and, and, and plan for that. And, and I mean, if you're good at laying out vehicle paths, I think you can do the same with pedestrian and bicycle paths. I mean, I, I think we see that um, uh, like the Dutch are a great example of having so many integrated bike paths within their transportation system that ultimately they interact with roundabouts, they interact with signals, they interact with um a lot of driveways. There, there's some design techniques that you can do. So, so you, you, you pose a really good question. I, I think what's some, from a safety standpoint, crossing roundabouts is, is no different than um, a signal. A signal gives you a positive walk indication, but you and I both know um, that, isn't, that doesn't d directly relate to safety yet. You as a, as a pedestrian have to make a, a conscious, you know, to make sure that you're safe to enter the roadway. Uh, right turners on red, right turners on green at traffic signals are still a problem. Um, it's, it's one of those things where if I am a proponent of roundabouts, the one thing I like about a roundabout is you square off of the car that's going to be in, in conflict with you um, at the pedestrian crosswalk at a roundabout. It is there and it is obvious it's in conflict with you. That's not always happening at traffic signals when you cross parallel to the green movement of the vehicles, but some of those cars take rights. And if you are not looking behind you or taking that second look, you uh, run the risk and the stats show that we, if you go to urban areas and look at downtown cores, right turn on red and right turn on green are fairly common injuries that occur to pedestrians. Unfortunately, way too many pedestrians across our country aren't making it home. And I, I know we got to continue to focus on that, but that's a show all in itself. I know you guys do some analysis and all, but you also threw out a few numbers. Did you tell me in Washington state how many roundabouts you have? We build we build about 40 a year in this state. About 20 of those come on the state DOT system. The other 20 come on local agencies. During good funding years, you can appreciate this is more about um, how agencies fund um, improvements. And uh, most states have a fairly robust um, priority system on how they build things. But, but roundabouts are always in the mix because they're intersection control. When you build a project, many of them have intersections. So you have to consider that idea. And so, yes, I, I made uh, that a long answer to your question, but 400 to 500, 
Um, as a state, we probably rank in the top three with Georgia, Washington State, Virginia, North Carolina has a lot of roundabouts. These are states that have been building them for two decades, and so they're fairly integrated into the system uh, there in those states. Um, I, I'm sure I've left some. I always figure California is on their way to probably being the biggest uh, user of roundabouts, mostly because of the population and the number of jurisdictions in the state of California. But you see um, New York, an early adoption state. Uh, Texas is starting to catch fire. Uh, Colorado has built a lot of roundabouts. So I'm, I'm, I'm going through my whole geography. Remember, I know my place on the map. Um, even, even my home state of Montana has uh, almost 100 roundabouts. So this isn't something that um, is slowing down. It, they're proving to be a toolbox thing that we have left out of the mix for a good seven or eight decades, and it's time to get it back in there. Earlier in the introduction, I mentioned the TRB, the Transportation Research Board component of your professional contributions, if you will. I wonder if you can compare how we're doing in the States to any other countries? The two biggest, well, the three biggest uh, countries in terms of numbers of roundabouts, and they're not small, are, are, are the UK, um, Australia, as well as France. Um, those, those three countries, uh, France alone in the last 30 years, uh, when they um, really institutionalized roundabouts. I, for those of you on the, in the audience that have visited France, it's pretty tough in rural France to drive anywhere and not see a roundabout um, to the point where the Tour de France has been affected by how, how many roundabouts get put in the rural um, sections of the, um, of, of the Tour de France. Uh, those, those roundabouts are all institutionalized, meaning it is the go-to form of intersection control. And some people say, well, how many bumps is too many bumps? Um, I think we're a long ways away from that, at least in North America, um, between uh, Canada and the United States. And, and I don't know the Mexico um, situation as much, but between Canada and the United States, uh, we have a long ways to go before we have too many bumps in the road. I think if you look at France, uh, they've reached a point where most rural intersections of any volume, and they have criteria, uh, has been converted to a roundabout. And to my point about cost, They've been converted to these these smaller scalable roundabouts, not these big behemoths that are 200 feet across. Um, one thing we're learning very quickly in the states that are late adopters to roundabouts is they're not looking at these as five million dollar projects. They're looking at them as million dollar projects or seven hundred and fifty thousand dollar projects. Um, it's it's the right direction to move because we don't want to overcomplicate the idea that we're not going to put one down because they cost too much. I mean, there's such a safety device that. We need to figure out how to make that balance work. I'm glad to hear you say that. As I travel the country, I he hear people say this, oh, you know, we'd really like to do that, but we can't afford to do it. And I challenge people and I say, well, we can't afford not to do it because if you look at the societal cost with one fatality. I think it, it, in all fairness, because I sit in an agency where money is tight. I run into a lot of dilemmas um, over the years. Uh, over the years, I've run into a lot of dilemmas, and I still run into dilemmas where internally in our own system here, we will have good discussions about, hey, Brian, uh, it sounds like the roundabout's too expensive, and we will go ahead and have this conversation. Let's go back and look at that cost estimate and see what assumptions went into it. Uh, let's not throw that roundabout out prematurely before we have a chance to have um, some of the people with more knowledge in this area kind of dig into that. And it's amazing how once you dig into those, um, this is the engineering side of the world for those of you that are on the, in the audience. The engineering side of the world, um, time is, 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 is difficult sometimes to back up into and try to um, put the right kind of time into planning implementation. Um, but the more you can do that, uh, and, and then maybe even the belief that the system, let's not let cost drive the whole system, Bob, to your point. 
um, investing in the system and getting safer devices is actually an investment for in infinity. I mean, it's one of those things where many of these roundabouts will be here for 100 years. Um, traffic signals, they'll be there for 100 years, but you got to, I use this term sometimes to describe, we will be out there taking care of that traffic signal for a long time too, which is a maintenance cost. So we, 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 we look at maintenance costs, we look at sustainability and initial cost, but we don't um, walk away from your initial premise that we need to invest in the safety pieces and the efficiency pieces of the system and roundabouts um, serve both of those needs fairly well. Okay, thank you for everything you're contributing to this episode. We appreciate it. Um, I'm wondering if we could just call them traditional intersections for a minute. Do you think we'll ever just decide to replace all of the intersections? I think that that the reality piece of this is that um, we, we have a big system. I mean, I, I, I think I'm somewhat odd uh, in, in the number of roads and intersections that we have in, in the country and paved roads for that matter. Uh, a great tribute to this country in some ways, but, but as you know, you and I are on the receiving end of trying to figure out how to make that all safer after we built it all. Um, the idea that roundabouts will replace all traffic signals. I think there's going to be states that are going to be a little bit more progressive in that area where they're looking at an old signal and they want to basically replace it. And so they will be looking at, they need intersection control and they need a higher level intersection control. Roundabout represents that too. It's on the equal um, footing with a, uh, a signal when it comes to how you handle volumes. So ultimately we will see some of those switch outs. New construction, I see more roundabouts getting built right out of the gate so you don't even uh, discuss a, a traffic signal piece. But in terms of traffic signals, I think one of the things is the system has a lot of them on it. Um, at some point, uh, you know, you're gonna impact more the evolution of how things get built and as communities grow, they probably will have more roundabouts, but they'll always have signals too because the idea that you take out a working signal, that's not necessarily always the, that's not anybody's goal and it's not a very cost effective way to do it either. Um, so I, I've rambled maybe a little bit around the point there, uh, but back to my point about France, um, France, it's, it's neat to look at an aerial map sometimes of, of, of some of the locations uh, Nantes is, is one of the places where the birthplace of, of roundabouts in France. And I think there's 660 roundabouts. Somebody told me, um, our French contact told me that uh, in that particular region of, of France, um, every place you look on the map, but there are a lot of stop signs as well uh, that serve between these major intersections or these intersections that have roundabouts. And one thing that our country needs to do a much better job at, and, and you will see this uh, through the research, is doing access management where left turns anywhere on the system are, are good and they're not actually. We want to eliminate how many people are taking left turns and, and on facilities. And so doing better access management between roundabouts is, is the goal, just like better access management between signals is a goal. But private business and people who have businesses along many of these roadways in the way our countries form have a difficult time giving up access. It's not an easy conversation. It may be even more difficult than the round. It's much more difficult than the roundabout discussion. What's up and coming with, with TRB, with ITE, with AASHTO, we, even though we didn't mention that, I know you're still in that circle, and the DOTs regarding anything related to to roundabouts is, is there something new that well, we haven't I don't heard know if about there's anything new I, I know that um you know roundabouts are fairly low technology and so as you know th there are parts of the traffic safety picture that require uh you know a lot more electronics and and, and they involve um you know a lot of those those devices that might have more of an electrical component um roundabouts for the most case are 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 low tech. Um, they're always going to be in play, um, but it's going to require, 
it's not unlike how the world shaped out as as an agency or a society demands it or an agency develop it develops it those skill sets that go with a particular safety device um, are, are relevant. And so, uh, you know, the ability to take care of things, to build new things, to, to put out safety devices that make sense. It's all, you know, it's, I, I look at it as almost a, there, there, there could be a national piece to this, but there's more of a, you know, what kind of skill sets are you dealing with across the board to get um, some of this, uh, this stuff implemented in your particular jurisdiction or your particular state? Um, I, I don't know if that's answering your question, but I, I, it's one of those things where we think that from a federal standpoint, we've gotten good leadership there in, in terms of websites that really talk about roundabouts, um, good point-to-point, peer-to-peer contacts between states. Uh, I, I sit in a state DOT, and so my affiliation with AASHTO, the American Association of State Highway and Transportation Officials, is, is there, as well as um, ATSA. And, and some of the other uh, organizations that are that have a that have a charge for safety or charge with safety implementation. Those are all good. Those are all good integrated pieces that I think that um, we're in a society that has a lot of um, what do I say? Um, there's a lot of stuff coming at us from an information standpoint, information overload. So uh, the idea is you just stay consistent and you try to. Um, People matter in this particular business and, and, and trying to share that information in the best forums you can, I think is, it, and, and that has been done. I don't want to downside that, make that a downside that that has happened and that's a good thing. So I think from a, from a, a national perspective that that's happening, um, can it happen better? Well, of course, but I mean, the information overload that we have in our society right now, I think um, makes it harder to um, get things to stick. Uh, but this thing, and this podcast, thank you. I, I think it gives people a chance to hear a perspective uh, that maybe they, maybe they haven't heard before. Brian Walsh from the Washington State DOT. I want to thank you for your time today and sharing some real valuable information on roundabouts. Uh, the, I guess the closing thought that I have is a closing question. Do you have anything else about roadway safety that you think we should talk about? Uh, I think that you hit a really good point on roadway safety and just maybe a final thought. You know, roundabouts are just one form of, of, of applying safety to the system. Uh, we know there's a lot of things out there that we can do. Great separations. You know, we, we know that we use rectangular rapid flashing systems, real-time warnings to, to, to warn people that there's a, you know, a, a bicyclist or a pedestrian. All of this is a, is a, is a broader conversation in the fact that roundabouts give me an avenue, and I'm speaking for myself, to talk about the broader safety picture, meaning our society has a lot of information overload. And the idea is that if we can use a device that is controversial, could be controversial, to basically better a person's understanding of, of, of traffic safety and roadway safety, uh, that's a positive. And I think these are always good conversations because uh, roadway safety, um, we, we rely heavily on this form of transportation, either on foot, bike, and car. And people should, just like uh, maybe learning other things, uh, have a, a basic understanding of how traffic safety works and how maybe our, our society attaches value to that as well as how it tries to solve that and address that. So thank you. Well, that's all we have time for. I leave you with this today. Be safe, driving conversations, keeping traffic calm and saving lives. This is the Traffic Calm Network.